Hello, welcome to From the Rooker End. Uh, my name's John. Uh, with me is Jason. All right, there. And Michael. Oh, hello. It's going to be one of those podcasts. Uh, thank you very much uh, for listening. Uh, we've just come out of Vicarage Road, uh, where Watford drew just about 1-1 with Newcastle United. Where should we start? Well, let's start before the game started, Jason. Uh, six changes to the team. It's always that thing. People say, oh, what do you think of the changes? And my answer to that is, I don't know yet. I haven't seen them play. What did you think? Not say the number of changes, but the swaps he made. I was all right with them, to be honest. So, this, this might not be a popular opinion. People might disagree with me, but I, I don't think the, the changes were that bad. I mean, for one, OK, one's enforced, Mary Appin for Cabaselli. Yamat started the season when we started well. Hughes obviously was the start of the season, started well, come back in. Successful Deeney, we've been doing all the way throughout the season. Keener, we've seen enough of him, people want to see him play again. Um, that that I, I, I expected that one. I expected Keener coming in, Kapu staying in the middle because Kapu obviously just come back from his ban. Rest to Corey, that one made sense to me. Uh, Messina, we've seen him play when Holabas was out and, and he looked all right. I, I, I wasn't that worried about the changes. That, to me, looked like a team that could beat Newcastle United. Absolutely. And it was doing all right for a while, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah, for the first, what, 25 minutes, I thought Watford were completely in charge. We were creating the better chances. Delefeu had um, that really good one-on-one where I think he should have just put his laces through it. He tried to place it and he, he telegraphed it a bit, which... Sadly, we've seen too often from Delefeu, I think, haven't we? So we're, there was only one team in it. There was only one team interested. There was only one team looked like they had the quality to win it. And that was us. And then, of course, the goal went in uh, and everything changed. Um, I thought Watford's reaction to the, to the goal going in was pretty, pretty poor, I think. Um, yeah, it was a pretty poor showing all round, actually. I don't think anyone comes out of that game with, with too much credit. But just saying before we, we started recording, their lack of finishing, their lack of taking advantage of when we're in the ascendancy is what's killing us this season to to have not taken three points from against a very very poor Newcastle side is is pretty telling and I don't think we got good enough games from the likes of Pereira uh, Delefeu I thought Isaac Success had an absolute stinker of a game really I never noticed that Michael <laughs> it's the way he sits down oh, I've lost the ball I'm going to sit I'm going to stop he has no sort of drive and fight in him and I know that's and they go, yeah, that's, that's when you look at a player like him, you know who went away last year, didn't come back, or when he has come back, oh, right, fine, he might be uh, ch- changed. But then you go, nah, not enough. Not in those games where, you know, showing your frustration like that. Yeah, but to start with, he, I thought he looked good. He looked everything that we like about Isaac's success, strong and direct. He was getting the ball down, he was powering past players. And I thought, yes, right, OK, the, the, the swap him for Dini is going is to have worked. And it just all petered out far too he quickly, got, didn't he? He got kicked and the, uh, the trainer come on with his bucket and sponge, I think, or whatever they use these days. And from that point onwards, he looked like he just felt sorry for himself. Because yeah. there were a couple of times where I think he was getting shoved off the ball or maybe he was getting brushed off the ball when he was sort of falling over, I don't know. But he, you could see he was just like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm not getting the decisions. When he did get the ball, he was then sort of trying to make up for it, trying to do it all himself. And yeah, it, it, it wasn't his day today, Isaac. I think our, our decision making in the final third is has been poor this this season in uh, for long in too too frequently. And I think we saw that again. Isaac made the wrong decision. I think you know it's not through lack of trying, is it? It's trying to make amends. It's trying to make something happen. But I think when you're trying to force it like that, that's when these poor performances um, come through, wasn't it? I think we had how many free kicks do we have on the edge of the box? Two or three, certainly two. Yeah. And I think they all went into the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not really good enough, is it? Um, 
Yeah, you have to recognise how, how Newcastle played. Yeah, exactly. As soon as the goal, uh, goal um, went in, they had absolutely no interest in scoring another. They sat as deep as they like. We knew what was going to happen. I think they started that way, yeah. way as well. I don't, yeah, I don't think that was just because they scored. They were obviously trying to hit us on the break, which they did. But I think from the, from the very start, Matt Ritchie was dropping back mm. and playing as a left back as soon as we got the ball. And that was it. They were putting five across. Yeah. And, and that's why we were struggling. We are attacking players. I said that team was good enough to beat Newcastle United. Delafeo still in that team. Pereira still in that team. Keane still in that team. Players that can take players on and beat them almost at ease. But they were getting the ball in the wrong areas. Pereira at times was having to come to the halfway line to pick the ball up. And, and that's no good because he's got 10 players sort of between him and the goal. And, and, and no one free, not a lot of movement. The ball we were moving across the back four and we just weren't quick enough in finding that space and, and, and getting the ball forward like you say Jay said it was a team to pick uh, it was a team picked by Javi to win and beat Newcastle it just wasn't a team to fight back because there were all those changes and all those players who haven't played not just the games of football haven't played together Mike that's the thing where it really felt frustrating they just didn't know how to have uh, you know the next couple of your chances how to create the things I don't think it was a matter of fighting back I think we know that this Watford side will always probably create a chance and luckily we, we I think New, to be fair Newcastle switched off completely for the goal didn't it that's all it takes 10 seconds bang back of the net um, and, but that was the one chance that we had really since after they scored and, but I think Watford always going to give themselves a chance to do that because there is always the quality there is you know Decora came on and made a nuisance of himself but I think we lost we lost the midfield battle I think I like, I like Queen and I still think he's, he's obviously a work in progress but I like his I like the way he he just looks very very confident and it doesn't always come off I think one was a game today where it didn't really come off for him but he still wants the ball he's still trying to make things happen I think we need need, need players like that but I think we lost that midfield battle, as Jay said. We weren't getting the ball. We weren't winning the, winning the ball. We weren't fighting hard enough for it and then using it sensibly, cleverly enough to unlock. A couple of times, you know, Delafeu had the ball at his feet. He thought, right, just dance through him. And it looked like it was going to part. But as Jay said, he'd already had to take two men on to get to that stage. And, and the same with, with Pereira. So I don't think there's any questioning the team's heart. And, it is inc- and, I, and I do think we should never underestimate how difficult it is to play against effectively two banks of five. I thought Rondon was absolutely superb as, as, as a front man. He's big, he's strong, took his goal incredibly well. And I'm sure there'll be people that will point at the Newcastle goal and say, perhaps we should have been better with our shape. But, you know, it was a lovely ball in. Met arriving by 16 stone of, uh, <laughs> of Rondon. It's very, very difficult to, to defend against. So I think he, he played well for them. Um, but it is difficult to play against a, a side that is and you know Rafa's been doing it forever then it's well drilled we talk about how Javi's got our guys drilled well they're drilled as well so they were trying to do what they did and what's frustrating is that we are better than them as a footballing team there is far more talent in the Watford squad and despite the six the six changes in that starting 11 to beat a team like Newcastle they're one of the worst teams in the division I think um, certainly bottom five in terms of what they offer in terms of threat going forward disappointing that Watford couldn't unlock them today I think they'll they'll feel that's a, a real big opportunity missed and it was interesting as I, I left the ground sort of 
one of the last to leave the ground and don't usually see this but everyone all the substitutes including those that came on were out for what looked like a very organized training session out on the pitch there was they're moving the goals around and stuff so there's obviously they're obviously getting to work straight away Hollibas was moaning saying I've, I've done I've done it's like he's been dragged out but I think he made a difference when he came on I think the biggest one of the bigger disappointments for me was Messina at left back against a, a team like this you need to be getting forward you need to be getting on the front foot he's shown us he, he can do it and it just didn't didn't happen for him, did it? And, uh, and Jan Matt wasn't able to, to to gallop forward quite as much. But I think Messina will will probably be the one who's felt he's he's missed an opportunity there the most. I think I think he was he was getting forward, but his delivery just sort of let him down. I think today, and that's yeah, that's what you know you're going to get with Holabas a decent delivery. There were a few points from what Mike said there that I wanted to pick up on. I think both goals I think came from midfield mistakes. I'm kind of second guessing our goal. First one was you say we lost our shape. Hughes overcommitted on Atsu and he and he did him rather too easily and that sort of triggered the move for the goal. I'm just wondering for our goal, uh, how long had John Joe Shelv been on the pitch? Not long. It's well known that he doesn't like to track back, doesn't doesn't pick up his runners and I'm second guessing that's why Decore found himself free in the box. And there was a third point I can't remember what it was. If it comes back to you Jason we'll, we'll come back to you. You have games like this we came out with a point, it, it wasn't a, a defeat, we have to move on, this is only the first game of the, of the next half of the season. Javi, you know, what I love, we, you know, we will call these outside the Hornet shop, and as you walk up Occupation Road from the Rookery, you just hear things from the fans and what, they, what they're talking about first, and we've, you know, we've covered most of those, you know, what do you think about those six changes, what do you think about the, you know, the energy, and you know, people were blaming you know, Roberto, a few people sort of saying you know, Roberto Pereira wasn't you know, at, his, at his best. But the blaming of the manager was actually the most important thing. Like, oh, that was the manager's fault. Not in a, and fire him type sense, but it was, that was the manager's fault. What do you think he's going to have learnt, do you think, from this whole management of players that you have to have this time of year? You know, we've got another game in three days. We've had a game two days ago. We've got the FA Cup coming up, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of games. He's clearly doing something to manage this team in terms of their energy. What do you reckon he's going to take forward from this game and the way he set them up and the substitution he had to make? I think Harry can hold his head high, I think, as Jason said. It's a, from, a, from a personnel point of view, that certainly wasn't a weak Watford side with the, the six changes. If any of them had come in individually, he'd be like, yep, fine. No, not disagree with that at all, but he, it wasn't as a big of a side to react if things went wrong, to react and to make good. I don't think we got performances from our big game players. It's as simple as that. I think we needed we needed our sort of top four or five players, Capu, Delafeu, Pereira. We needed Isaac's success. We needed more from those guys. If you're going to beat a team like Newcastle, if you're going to break down a stubborn, defensive, well-drilled unit, you need good performances. You need to unpick the lock. And they weren't able to do that. And I will, I'll put nothing at the door of Javi Gracia for, for that performance. I think he was right to bring on Decore and Dini when he did. He, he reacted quickly in the second half when that started pretty flat. And, the, and lo and behold, those two made an impact as we, as we knew they would. Perhaps I'd have got Holobas on a little bit before um, because, A, I thought Messina was walking a tightrope on a yellow card. And... Um, you know they're a savvy side, so I thought they would target him for a yellow card. Um, so perhaps maybe get Holobas on a bit a bit sooner. But we've got I have got another game in. When is it? Is it Wednesday, Wednesday Thursday yeah. against against Bournemouth? He's going to have to make changes. You have to look after this side. And we've said this year that what he's done is kept morale high. So you can expect those players to come in. So I've got I'm not I'm I haven't got an issue. I think he said he put out there a side that was more than capable of beating Newcastle. Our important key players didn't step up to the mark today. And quite frankly, it's as simple as that. 
And I've remembered the other point I wanted oh, to make. What is it, Jason? I think we we are actually doing Newcastle a disservice. We're saying, they, yeah, these guys are good enough. They're, they're not a very good side. Have they managed to sort of get a point? They defended very well yeah. today. They did yeah. what they had to do. Even I mean, what what could have disrupted them at half time? I think it was Fernandez went down injured as half time whistle blew. Um, sure came on, and he had a blinding second half. He seemed to be on the end of every single ball we were putting into the box. Javi again, I think he made the right decision in bringing Dini on and keeping success on. I at the time was thinking, oh, I take success off, but actually you think about it. They're sitting deep. We need to put people in the mixer, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we were doing, getting crosses in. But it sure seemed to be, oh, get his head on the end of everything. So, whereas, yeah, Newcastle, they ain't a great side. That's why they're further down the table. But they defended Dougley today, and we do need to give them some credit for that. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. My surname is Parkin, and his son called Arlo. Uh, and this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome for the last time in 2018 to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. Glad to hear it, my man. Have you had a good Christmas? Yeah. Excellent. What's been your favourite Watford moment of, of 2018? When they beat Huddersfield 3 now. It was a good performance, that, the consummate performance, wasn't it? So my question to you today is, what should Javi or Watford's New Year's resolution be? To try their best and never give up. Arlo, I think that's a sensational idea. Do you think they can do it? Yes. Come any horns. Happy New Year to you. Bye-bye. It is the last game of 2018. We started in a desperate place uh, with Marco Silva still in charge. It didn't last very long, and he lasted 21 days of uh, 2018 before Javi came in. And, and, and we always do this thing at the end of the calendar year where we try and decide which Watford player is the best of this calendar year. The shortlist for the Ballonorn, uh, as we like to call it, a Craig Cathcart, Roberto Pereira, Etienne Capu and Abdoulaye Decoré. Now, just to reiterate, this is the players who uh, best player of 2018, not the best player of the season so far. So, Mike, who are you going to put forward for uh, for your choice? I'm going to go slightly left field, and I'm going to go with Craig Cathcart because I think over the calendar year, I think how many times have we pointed a finger or had to talk about Craig Cathcart? Not very many, and I think even on our worst days, he looks decent. And with our defensive issues that we've had throughout the throughout the calendar year, and a, a changing sort of centre back pairing, it's very rare that we've been able to keep a, a block of, of games with the same defensive lineup. I think Cathcart just looks—he's just looked so composed. And there was just one moment again in the, in the Chelsea game, which I thought summed him up. They looked like they're about to break, and he just got a toe to it. Away the ball went, danger snuffed out, and that kind of sums Cathcart up. No nonsense, does what he has to do. He always seems to be in the right right position. He's never screaming and shouting and gesticulating but he's he's in control I think and that Watford have had their defensive difficulties over this this calendar year and I think for him to have performed so consistently is um, I think this makes him a worthy winner of the Ballon d'Or I think it's, it's a difficult difficult position at Watford centre-back and I think he's I think he's done well no nonsense no fuss never let us down cue an own goal and the sending off away at Bournemouth <laughs> well that's a very good uh, point forward uh, our friend Colin uh, who you heard in the last podcast you hear in lots of podcasts uh, he uh, has sent us from his uh, cave in, De- in Devon 
where he's happened to watch today's game, uh, sent us why he thinks Abdullahi Dekore should be the winner of the 2018 Ballon For me, Dekore has been our most consistent player over the calendar year. And in many ways, I see him as the big beating heart of our team. He's played almost every game this year. But the thing that I love about Abdullahi is his consistency. Not just his talent, his ability. We've got lots of players with talent and ability. But the consistency of performance is the thing that, for me, really marks him out. When Harry came to the club, we went up to Stoke and the club was in trouble. We were on the verge of plunging ourselves into a very difficult period, which may well have ended with relegation. But Abdullahi Dekore that night, freezing cold in the Britannia, he worked his socks off. He tackled everybody, he ran and ran and ran, and he left everything on the pitch for the team, for his new coach, and we got a nil-all draw, which I don't think anybody expected because we've been shipping goals like mad. And then we come home, the second game in Javi's reign against Chelsea, and he's snapping into tackles, he's closing down space, he's winning the ball, he's passing the ball. And for me, as I said, I think he's the beating heart of our side. And I know this season Kapoor's got a lot of attention, and deservedly, but one of the reasons that Etienne Kapoor has been able to play so well this season is because he's got Abdullahi Dekore sniffing around, sniffing out danger. And it's no surprise to me that he's the player at our club that is being talked about with PSG, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, anyone you care to name, 50 million euros, because he is so consistent and a box-to-box player that can win the ball, lay it off, find space, get it back, lay it off again, keep the tempo high. And that's really what he does for us. And he's always a seven for me. Uh, and sometimes he's an eight, eight and a half, nine. But he hardly ever, ever drops below a seven. And for me, that marks him out as Watford Football Club's Ballon Orn, Abdullah Decore. Jason, who are you going to put forward? Well, the person I'm putting forward, I've got no danger of jinxing him today because he had probably his most difficult game of 2018 today. I'm putting forward Roberto Pereira, uh, or Daddy Shark as he's known to some. Um, he had a difficult end to 2017, didn't he? he, he uh, first game of the season, last season, he got injured. Some young whippersnapper called Richarlison came on and sort of grabbed his place. And it, and it was difficult for him to get back into the side. Um, well, he did get back in the side, but he wasn't playing in his, his preferred position. Exactly. He was sort of playing more in a sort of number 10 role and it just didn't suit him at all. Um, but then under Javi, I, I think things seemed to kick-start for him again. That Chelsea game when he got that, that late goal, I think he came on a sub that day, if I remember rightly. I'm sort of trying to dig back deep. as a long time ago. I've slept since then. Um, scored a great goal against Chelsea. Uh, and as Richarlison sort of tired he got his opportunity again playing in his natural position um, and we know he loves playing there so on that left hand side cutting back in on his right he, he's so dangerous and he sort of started this season where he left off causing lots of trouble and the the great run we had at the start of this season um, he was a big big part of scoring some fantastic goals and as Delafay's come back into the side we've seen the two of them work together so well they, they, they play some great football and we've seen it produce some goals we, we've talked about in the podcast that we're maybe lacking a striker that can score and that sometimes we haven't got the ability to unlock defences and we found that today but there have been games where those two have stood up uh, like the West Ham game uh, as with Pereira won the penalty set up Delafeo for his goal and it's, it's those games where they're making a difference 
uh, and yeah, Bobby P throughout 2018, I think under Javi has been uh, has been superb. Oh, three good cases so far. I think the one we finish off with uh, for for our candidates and nominees uh, would be Etienne Capoue, uh, Mike. You know, he it, it, we we often have a problem the last few seasons when we we decide this one. Who had a good big end of the year, but had a terrible uh, start of the year was pretty much how it been going. Um, but Etienne Capoue. Do you think there's a case to be put forward for Etienne, uh, not just for the, the, the great performances he's been putting in this season, but actually his performances throughout 2018? Yeah, I definitely think there is. He deserves recognition for turning into that consistent, high-performing player that we've said all along, me in particular, have been critical of when his form's dropped off. And I've been more frustrated because we've seen when he's on his game, he's unplayable, he can, run a, he can absolutely boss a game. And he's turned, he seems to be turning, continually turning that into a more frequent appearance, a, fr- a more frequent occurrence. And I think he deserves credit for that because he's had to work, obviously had to work at it. He's bought into Javi Gracia, he's bought into Watford, it would, would appear. And yeah, I think he deserves massive credit. And just when he's on his game, he's, he's, he's magnificent, isn't he? I was reminded the other day of a, um, someone mentioned the, the uh, Barami comment that he was the best player um, at the club. Um, or he might have even been more bullish than that. He might have been said one of the best players in the Premier League. <laughs> he is. He is. On his day, he's, he's a beautiful player to watch. Um, and we're getting it more frequently now. I thought he played well today, actually, against, against Newcastle. I thought he was one of the better performers for, for Watford. He seems more composed, more, um, more focused, I guess, that he, he less, less inclined to see those shoulders slump and his chin on his chest, which, which we've seen far too many times. So... Yeah, he looks. To say he's a different man is 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 probably pushing it a bit far. But he's he's better more often, and and I think he deserves great credit for that. And yeah, worthy contender, if not for the actual award itself, certainly for um, uh, a merit award or uh, highly commended. <laughs> we thank you very much for everyone who voted in our Twitter poll. Uh, over three hundred and fifty of you uh, voted, uh, and that includes one vote. So the uh, our Twitter followers uh, gave one vote to Etienne Capoue. Jason won for Roberta Pereira. Mike won for Craig Cathcart. And on our WhatsApp group, pretty much unanimously, uh, apart from Colin with Abdul Corey, it was Roberto Pereira. So the 2018 winner of the Ballon d'Orme is Roberto Pereira. I'm delighted to accept this award on behalf of Roberto, etc., etc. <laughs> Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. I had a message come in, uh, alert me, that uh, Colin sent us a message. As, as we say, he's, he's down in his cave in Devon uh, watching the game. Uh, and, and, well, you, you hear what he's got to say. We, we've been talking about the first half of the season and the second half to, to come on the last couple of podcasts. But it, Colin has noticed some things uh, statistically. Over to you, Colin. So here's another thing I've been thinking about. Uh, I was reading Paul Merson's prediction for this game against Newcastle United. And he was saying that Watford were like a box of revels. You never knew what you were going to get. Actually, if you analyse the stats, it's very, very interesting. So we've played the bottom eight teams. We've won five, drawn two, and lost one, which was the game up at Newcastle. The draws were against Southampton and Fulham, both away from home. So we've been incredibly consistent against the bottom eight. We've taken 17 points from 24. Then you look at the top six, and I know I've spoken about this uh, previously. We've actually only taken three points off the top six. We've lost five and won one against Spurs which perhaps you argue not quite good enough, but certainly consistent. And then you look at the middle teams, and this is the key area. Against the middle teams, we've had two fantastic away wins against Wolves and West Ham. 
We've had a home defeat from Bournemouth. We've had an away defeat against Leicester. And we had an away draw against Everton. So we've had two wins, two defeats and a draw against the teams around us, the middle teams, if you like. So equally consistent, we've taken half the number of points that were available. We've taken only three points from 18 against the top six. And we've taken 17 points from 24 against the bottom eight. Now that makes us a mid-table side. That is incredibly consistent. You know exactly what you're going to get with Watford. More than likely they will beat a team below them. They will get, on average, a draw against the teams around them. And they will probably lose to the top six. So this whole thing about you never know which Watford you're going to get is absolute nonsense. Because an analysis of the first half of the season will show you, you know exactly what you're going to get. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. Up next, a trip to the seaside in midweek on the 2nd of January, the weirdest day ever to play a game of football. Um, Mike, there's a, there's a lot to be won in this game and it's not just the result. There's a, there's a performance here that was poor, that was also a performance by Bournemouth who did a job on us. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't, I don't really think they had to get out of second or third gear, did they, in that, that performance? It was a real, real off day for Watford. They just weren't at the races and Bournemouth filled, filled their boots. I think Watford will be stinging after today. I think they'll see it as a, an opportunity missed after that. You know, great win away at West Ham to start kick off the festive period. We've had a pretty lacklustre uh, game against Chelsea in which they should have probably got a point. And I, I actually have to say, before but 5-3 to three today, I was a bit worried. Every, everyone seemed a bit sort of shuffling around the players the, the warm up didn't seem that intense but actually for, for an hour, half an hour it was a really enjoyable game today it was quite a blood and thunder and quite noisy in the stands which I noticed so it was a, it was a good uh, rumbustuous game today which quickly petered out so we've had one and a half pretty flat affairs here really at, at Vicarage Road short on quality I don't think our players have, have, have done themselves justice over the last uh, couple of days and they'll obviously have a um, that that Bournemouth game etched into their retinas. They'll they'll want to uh, they'll want to, uh, to to make amends. We had a, a little precursor, a little warning as to what we're going to come up against with Matt Ritchie, who uh, went down, sort of clutching his head for for 20 minutes. It felt like after under absolutely no. Uh, collision or, or challenge you can't teach old dog new tricks <laughs> yeah exactly right and you know we know what we're going to get we know what we're going to get their their, their their mo their game plan is to get in the referee's ear um, eddie howe will be will be in the fourth official's ear they'll be up as soon as there's a tackle um, they'll be trying to wind up people like holobas they'll they'll know who they can whose buttons they can press we're we're old enough foes we know each other well enough and they'll know who's uh, whose little calf they need to kick to to get a reaction and you know i'll make no bones about it they're a niggly nasty little bunch who do what they do incredibly well um, so we're going to have to have our wits about us we've talked about players being focused and uh, showing some more signs of consistency they're going to need to be, take our absolute A game uh, down to Dean Court if we're going to get anything at this moment in time I'd, I'd snap your hand off for, a, for an event free draw <laughs> Jason uh, though you know, we, we've talked about the starting the six changes we made here what are you doing you're happy what changes are you going to be who are you going to, st- who are you going to be starting with uh, against Bournemouth, I think we're back to the uh, the normal starting eleven. Perhaps even the starting eleven against Chelsea, minus the obvious. Well, say obvious. Cabaselli, we don't know what he's done. I understand no broken bones. That's, that, that seems to be what he's saying on his, as always, entertaining Twitter account. So if he's not fit, perhaps Matts will be in. I even wonder if he'll bring 
big Ken back in mm. and and leave Hughes out again because he just looked a little bit off today, didn't he? Oh, good Cusey. So perhaps it will be back to that sort of starting eleven that we saw against Chelsea. We shall see. Colin's going to do a little mini podcast. As you know, all the podcasts we've been doing over the last uh, couple of uh, last week or so of Christmas period have been a little bit shorter. So thank you very much uh, for listening uh, as we do these to, to keep the story of the season going, to keep our story of the season going. Uh, but remember, this this is our only our take on f- being a Watford fan. You guys uh, help us out by giving your views on social media at Watford Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, and do uh, do come and say hi uh, and give us your uh, your, your input on things and if there's anything you think we should do more of on the podcast or anything we're not talking about then, and you think we should then get involved uh, you can always email us if you want to write something a bit longer podcast at fromtherookeryend.com I think we ought, to, we ought to say thank you to everyone that's listening in 2018 but we, as we look back on our nine years nine seasons of doing From the Rookery End it is it does give you pause to think how lucky we are for as Watford supporters to see the the roller coaster ride we're on, and and 2018's been no different, has it? It's, you almost forget about Marco Silva being here at the start of the year, but he was, and obviously we had the um, the difficulties surrounding that. There's always something going on here, but somehow Watford tend to come up smelling of roses, don't they? It's it's still enjoyable to come to to Vicarage Road. It's still uh, enjoyable to see this this team in action. And I think we. We're genuinely blessed to be uh, to be Watford supporters, and it's just been a joy to, to carry on doing it. It's been a fabulous year, I think. Really, it's, you want a bit of entertainment, you want a bit of excitement, and you want a bit of controversy, don't you? And we we tend to get that. So happy days, but overall, brilliant, another brilliant year to be a Watford fan. Rewind the podcast to about thirty-five seconds, and just to see how Mike said hello compared to what he's just <laughs> said there. Oh, the contrast, Michael. Well, this is part of our love of this podcast. It's therapeutic and uh, makes us go home to our loved ones and a much better uh, mental health uh, and well-being. Um, thank you very much, and uh, come on, you ones. <laughs>